This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good evening, Rush Nation. It's Friday, which means it's time for the matchups pod. It's time for me to quickly go through the, each game on the slate and give you all that vital information that you'll need. We obviously know that we've had a game go off Thursday night football. It was a barn burner, that's for sure, as the Seattle Seahawks came on top and that division really could be anybody's there. So with that going on in the West, it's time to look at some of the other games uh, and see what we've got on here on the slate. So lots and lots and lots of games to talk about. First one I'm going to talk about is Tennessee at Baltimore. Um, Baltimore favoured to win this by five and a half. The over-under is set quite high for uh, what's supposed to be a rainy game on Sunday. Um, over-under is set 49 and a half. Um, in terms of players in this game, Tannehill is really off the boil at the moment. And in terms of him going up against this 
Baltimore defense. I'm not necessarily sure that this is the right matchup for him. So as a result, I'd probably be looking to fade Tannehill this week if you can. If you can't, I understand that too. It's it's very thin wave wire out there. Um, makes sense, but he's not really the, the player I'd be looking at here. Derek Henry's also been off the boil, but hopefully this is a game that he can start to do something. You're not really going to be able to drop Derek Henry, but I don't see him being in the upper echelons of the RB1 conversation, though it is still possible that he gets there. A, you know, AJ Brown has been sort of hit and miss two weeks ago. He's fantastic last week. Just seemed to be a bit out of the action. Again, this is a really tough defense to be facing. Not necessarily expecting um, AJ Brown to be in the uh, RB1 conversation, but um, wide receiver one conversation. But I do think he'll be in the wide receiver two conversation. Uh, I'd be fading every other wide receiver for Tennessee this week. I don't like uh, Corey Davis. I mean, for me, he's a fringe flex play at best, but think others should be considered. Uh, John Smith is one of my fades of the week. If you, again, only have one tight end, then definitely play him, but don't be expecting too much out of John Smith this week. In terms of the Ravens, uh, you've got Lamar Jackson. I think he puts in another QB one week, but I think those weeks of him uh, busting off elite numbers might appear to be over in the short term at the very least until they decide what's going on. I wouldn't be touching this backfield with a barge pole. All of them are going to get touches. All of them are going to get plays. So uh, no, thank you. I wouldn't be playing any of the running backs for for Baltimore in this game. I think this is a game that Marcus Brown can go off. Um, You know, the Tennessee cornerbacks are very slow. I think this is a a matchup that's well suited for for Marcus Brown. I think he can take advantage. So I think he's one you can start and you can definitely start Mark Andrews. He'd be in the conversation for uh, having uh, a tight end one top end of the tight end conversation kind of weeks. Next up, we move to Carolina, uh, who are at home to Detroit. Detroit are favored this by two with uh, 47 set at the over-under. Not quite the low scoring game that many are expecting. This one's... A little bit confusing in terms of what's going on on one side on one team here. So we'll start with the Lions because it's a bit simpler. Matt Stafford looks like he's probably going to play. Um, again, he's not really lived up to the kind of fancy numbers that we expected. So he's not one I think most people will be starting. But uh, this probably isn't the worst matchup he's going to have all season. Um, DeAndre Swift has, has firmly established himself in that backfield now as the alpha. And he is definitely in the uh, running back two conversation this week. Even the running back one conversation, I think I've slotted him there at the low end of the RB1. So he's definitely going to be there or thereabouts. Waiting for injury news on Kenny Golladay. If he goes, I think he'll be in the uh, upper end of the wide receiver conversation. I think it's a better matchup for Marvin Jones this week. And I think it's someone that, who can benefit from this big time, as well as TJ Hawkinson, who had a, um, a difficult matchup last time up. I think this is much better suited for him. As for Carolina, we've got Bridgewater, who's got an MCL sprain. His day-to-day looks like and trending towards he's going to start. Um, so if he does, then great. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's a late switch there. Mike Davis is going to get the carries again. I think he'll be far more effective than he was last week. And I think he's in the running back one conversation this week. That is for sure. Um, and I think you can start both Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore this week. I think they're both in the run, uh, wide receiver two conversations, but they're both definitely startable this week. That is for sure. Moving on to the next game on the slate, Philadelphia at Cleveland. Cleveland favoured to win this by three over another set of 47 and a half. This is a real tough one when it comes to Philadelphia because I think it's a bit of a trap game for Wentz. I don't think it's the worst game he's going to have all season, but I don't think it's necessarily a great one. This is a pretty good defence, although we've just heard that uh, Miles Garrett 
it's appeared on the COVID list, so that could make things a little bit more interesting. But with that porous offensive line, I don't necessarily fancy Wentz to put up huge numbers this week. Uh, the only player I'm really... It's sort of two or three players I'd start out of this team. Miles, Miles Sanders, you've got to start him. I don't think he's quite the RB1 this week, but I do think he will get the majority of the work and be in the sort of fringe running back to maybe getting into the RB1 discussion if everything breaks his way. But I think game script will negate him slightly. Travis Fulgram is someone who had a disappointing game last time out, but think that he, out of all the wide receivers he saw the have, but I've got him at best as a wide receiver three. So he's the only one I'd even consider starting in the flex, but there are better options out there. Uh, and that's got up for me is in the tight end one conversation. Over to Cleveland. I'm not really starting Baker Mayfield in any leagues unless I'm absolutely desperate with bye recovers, etc. And if you have like a Josh Allen on bye, then you know that absolutely makes sense. And uh you know, why wouldn't you do it? Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are both in the running back one conversations this week. And that's really it. I mean, Jarvis Landry hasn't proven much this season. Um, I don't overly love him as a, as a as a start at wide receiver. But if you need to put him in the flex, then I suppose that's okay. But he's not someone I'm loving. I'm, I'm really down on him at the moment. He's not putting up the, the kind of numbers that we would have expected out of him. And especially now that OBJ is out for the season. And Austin Hooper, I guess you could start him as a, uh, a fringe tight end. But, you know, you're kind of hoping he gets into the end zone. And maybe he does against this offense. But it's not something I'd be preying on and think others are better suited. Next up, it's New England, and they are traveling to the dismal uh, Texans. And in terms of in terms of this one, New England are favored by two. I think it's probably about right. It's it's quite a hard game to call in some regards, but you give the the edge to Belichick, I suppose. Um, because both these teams really aren't aren't all that great. Over under set forty eight and a half. I just don't see how that happens. I mean, I don't think defenses are the these teams' problems as such. But there we go. Um, we've got Cam Newton who's thrown. To uh, you know, he's thrown very, very few touchdowns this season in the air. I mean, he, you're really relying on his legs. He's not someone I'm overly loving. The the fantasy consensus is he's a fringe quarterback one this week. I guess again, if you have to play him, I would. But I'm far more conservative on him, even though this isn't a great. You know, it's not the best defense from Houston. As I said, I don't think they're they're the massive problem here, um, and I think Cam can be restricted. Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead are both startable here. Harris is going to get the majority of the work, but Burkhead is seeming to be that uh, red zone threat who's getting all the touchdowns as of late. So um, I definitely like the ability to play both in the flex. That's for sure. Jacoby Myers is also startable for New England. So they've started to get a couple of fancy relevant players, but they're all in that low end RB2, RB3, wide receiver three conversation. There's no one that's jumping out and putting out elite numbers. As for Houston, you definitely start uh, Deshaun Watson. This is going to be a tough matchup, but I really do think this is one that he can excel in, that's for sure. Duke Johnson is someone who I think will get a lot of work. I think he's a must-start this week, and I think people are being very conservative on him, but it wouldn't shock me if he put up an RB1 performance because I think that New England are going to take away the weapons that that Deshaun Watson has. I think they're going to to shadow coverage fuller. They're going to make sure that Cooks is is uh, entrenched and it means it's going to leave Johnson to pick up those sort of short short passes and uh, short range work. And they don't really use the tight ends except for in the red zone. So that's why I think Drew Johnson's going to get a lot of work. I said this about the wide receivers. I still got them in sort of the wide receiver two, wide receiver three 
kind of conversation. But I think you need to lower their expectations given the fact that they are both going to be covered hard by Belichick to take them out of this game. Next up on the slate, it's the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers who are 9-0 and and they go to the 1-8 and Jacksonville Jaguars. Pittsburgh are only favoured to win this by 10.5, which shocks me. I kind of think that they're... They're better than that, but maybe they decide to get some rest and go easy when the win looks uh, nailed on. So um, I don't know about that. The over under set 46, which I think is, again, quite low, given what the Steelers can do and how potent that offense is when it's when it's moving. Um, we'll start with the Steelers. Big Ben, uh, one, uh, quarterback one for me this week. I think he is uh, really putting together a very, very good season, very quiet. It's going to rain, and maybe that explains a little bit of the the under here at 46, but I wouldn't expect it to be too bad, given it's in Jacksonville. Um, James Conner, I think, is in the conversation for running back one this week, that's for sure. He'll sort of be in that fringe, low end of the conversation. And you've got the wide receivers. The way I have them ranked this week is Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, who I both have on the fringes of the wide receiver one conversation, and Juju is below them uh, in the wide receiver two conversation. I think all of them could put up good weeks. Um, and I also think Eric Ebron is going to put up a tight end one week somewhere around six to eight or so. Jacksonville, this is pretty easy. James Robinson, running back one. DJ Chark, wide receiver three, end of list. That's it. Uh, I don't want to start anyone else. Uh, maybe Keenan Cole if you're desperate. Maybe Leviska Chenault if he's fit, if desperate. But I really wouldn't be relying on anyone other than James Robinson to pull out elite numbers out of this team. But Chark is definitely startable. But it's going to be a hard matchup against Pittsburgh. Next up, we've got Atlanta versus New Orleans. Um, start with Atlanta. And just to say that the over-under set here is 50. And New Orleans are only favoured to win this by three and a half, which is a strange line um, for me personally. I'd have New Orleans by more, even though we know they've got quarterback issues. Um, but there we go. Um, I'm not a betting man, so maybe uh, I can't really tell the markets whether they're they're right or wrong, but it looks a little off to me. I fancy New Orleans more on this, given how bad this Atlanta defense is. Let's start with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I think, is in the conversation for a QB1 performance, but however, you know, this, this New Orleans D has dismantled uh, offenses over the last three weeks, um, and they've really, really put a stamp on things, and I think they're going to have to do it again in this game. So, depending on um, the quarterback situation in New Orleans, I do think that Atlanta might struggle a little bit here, but I do think that they will get points, but it'll be late points. So, Matt Ryan, I think, is startable, but he's not someone I'm desperate to start. Todd Gurley, I think, is uh, running back two this week. I think it's going to be tougher sledding for him um, because I think they'll be behind for most of the game. But I do think that he will be still somewhat valuable in this game and startable. Then you've got Ridley and Jones. I think this is going to be more a Ridley game than a Jones game, but I think both are going to be pretty useful in this game as well. I think Hayden Hurst will get some some love around the, the middle of the field as well because they'll need to use him in order to get first down. So I think, you know, they're all in play here. Now we're getting word it looks like Taysom Hill is going to start for the Saints. That really throws out my sort of planning and notes here because we've never really seen him take a huge amount of snaps. I don't know if this is Sean Payton going to play him for a few snaps and then bring Winston in. I don't really know what we're going to get. Um, and that's why I'm a little bit hesitant on some of the grades I'm going to give here, except for Alvin Kamara. He's definitely an RB1. I think he's quarterback and matchup proof really uh, as he's proven this season he's put up some monster games um, I think Michael Thomas is going to be on the low end of the, the, the wide receiver one and I guess I might have to continue to think about that but at the moment that's kind of where my, my number is with him because we don't know what we're going to get at the quarterback position from him and I as a result I'm probably not starting any of the others 
Uh, Emmanuel Sanders could be a fringe flex play at best, but it's not someone I'm loving. But Jared Cook, I think, will be on the fringes of the Titan 1 conversation this week. Moving up to next on the slate, it's Cincinnati at Washington. Um, Cincinnati are not favoured to win this. Actually, Washington are favoured by one and a half, which, again, I think is surprising. Maybe it's just down to the defence, but I do find that slightly surprising. The over-under set at 47. So here we've got Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think he's a quarterback one this week. It is going to rain there. The weather could be quite bad, which maybe sets the the under at 47 and it'll probably go even lower than that. Um, but I do think Burrow can get plays off, but I don't think this is the week for him. I'm still waiting on Joe Mixon. He hasn't practiced yet, so it's hard to see who's going to start between him or Bernard. But I think whoever does will be fantasy relevant as they have been over the last few weeks. I think Bernard's done a great job uh, in remaining fantasy relevant there. So I put them both as sort of, uh, RB2s, but the very high-end uh, sort of top 15 plays uh, for sure. Um, I think Tyler Boyd is matchup proof as a wide receiver two. I think Higgins is either a low-end wide receiver two or high-end wide receiver three. It's kind of the ballpark of where he is now. Um, and that's really all you need to worry about for Cincinnati. For Washington, it's easy. You only need to worry about Antonio Gibson, and Terry McLaurin, JD McKissick, and Logan Thomas. Now, J.D. McKissick only in PPR leagues because uh, he's going to get a lot of that volume underneath. As I sort of said last week, he's someone who is going to benefit from Alex Smith not throwing the ball very far. And the other one is going to be Logan Thomas. So I think both of those are definitely startable. Um, McKissick I kind of have in PPR leagues as a running back two with potential low-end RB1 upside depending on the volume he gets. Um, Thomas is, uh, again, on the fringes of the time one conversation. I think McLaurin is a wide receiver too. Don't expect huge numbers on him. I think he's on the lower end of that. Um, but Antonio Gibson, I think, is a, is a running back one this week because I think he's going to get plenty of work. Interesting matchup here, Miami at Denver. So Miami at Denver, we've got Denver behind in this one by three and a half. Over under set 45, so not expecting a lot of points here. As a result, I'm not playing either quarterback in this matchup. Um, and the running backs in this are also very, very difficult. I think Ahmed has RB2 upside. I'm not starting any of the other of the Denver running backs, especially against this Miami defense. They're pretty good against the run and don't think they get a lot of traction. As for the wide receivers, I think Parker is a low-end wide receiver too with two at the wheel. Um, but he's probably the only wide receiver. I think Grant is a stretch flex play, but he's not someone I'm loving with, with Denver. The only one I really would consider starting is Judy. But again, with Drew Locke, you don't know who you're going to get. I think Patrick gets taken out of this game. He's unstartable for me. I think Hamler is unstartable. So the only players that start for the Broncos with any sort of, I don't even say certainty, is, is Noah Fant and, and Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy is at best a low-end wide receiver two, but more likely a wide receiver three. I think Fant could get into the tight end one conversation, given how low that bar is. But really, I think for... Miami, I'd start Ahmed as a potential RB2, but I think he's more an RB3, but I think he could get in there. Parker is a low-end wide receiver too. I'm not even starting Kaziki at this point uh, because I think Smythe is likely to get the, the red zone looks and I think without those, Kaziki's going to find it hard to be relevant. Moving on to the, the 0-9 Jets. So the Jets here um, against... They're going to LA in the Chargers. Chargers favored to win this by 9.5, uh, over under set 46.5. I think you can start two players from the Jets and that's uh, P Ryan as a, as a uh, running back three uh, flex play and Jameson Crowder as a wide receiver two uh, with PPR upside given the amount of volume he catches, but they're not going to score a ton of points, which is why they're under set at quite low. 
Um, in terms of the charges, I think Herbert is a quarterback one. I think Belage is a low-end running back two. It just depends if he gets all the work like he has done the last couple of weeks, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Keenan Allen, I think, could be a, a wide receiver one this week. And I think Mike Williams, so here we sort of rank him in about the 40s because you don't know what you're going to get, but this could be a game that he goes off against this hapless uh, Jets team. And then I think as well, Hunter Henry is a pretty safe uh, running back one. Uh, tight end one, apologies. Next, we've got Green Bay at Indianapolis. Indianapolis are favoured in this game by one and a half, which, uh, again, shocks me a little bit. It actually opened with Green Bay as favourites, so it's almost a pick em. I'm definitely taking Green Bay here in this one. Over-under set 51. I think the higher the over-under is, the more likely Green Bay are going to win this game, given the weapons that they have. So I'm a bit surprised that the line has gone Indy's way. But you've got Rodgers, safest houses, QB1 this week. Aaron Jones, I think, will be an RB1 this week. Devontae Adams, I think, will be a wide receiver one. I think there may be some room for Alan Lazard, but as a flex play at best, I'm not playing MBS. I don't trust him. Whenever he has a big game, he never backs it up with two in a row. And with Lazard back, I think uh, MBS is going to move back down that pecking order. So not someone I'm, I'm loving this week. Tonyan, I think, could be in the fringes of the, the, the tight end mix, but you're kind of banking on him to get a touchdown to be relevant. As for the Colts, Naheem Hines seems to be getting the bulk of the work here in terms of the red zone. So I like Naheem Hines here as a running back two, Taylor as a running back three, Wilkins as a running back three. I like Taylor Burton as a tight end one. And I like... Michael Pittman to be a wide receiver too. Outside of that, I'm not playing T.Y. Hilton or Zach Pascal or anyone like that. Three games left to go. Uh, Dallas, who are playing Minnesota. Minnesota favoured by seven here, um, with Dallas being the over-under set of 48. I'm not starting either quarterback in this game. I think you can start both running backs in this game. I think both are going to be pretty safe RB1s. Dalvin Cook has far more upside than Zekelio, who seems to be a little bit off the boil at the moment. Moving on to the receivers, uh, Cooper, wide receiver two. Lamb, wide receiver three. Uh, Gallup, for me, isn't startable at this moment. It's someone I would definitely not play in this game. In terms of the Vikings... I think Phelan is a potential wide receiver one this week, and I think Jefferson is, is a high-end wide receiver two this week. It's a very, very good matchup for them. As for the tight ends, it all depends if they get in the end zone, but uh, if I had to pick any tight end in this game, it would be Irv Smith, but he does have an injury designation, so keep an eye on that. But uh, I'm not fancying Salt, uh, Schultz or Rudolph to do much in this game, and it wouldn't surprise me if Irv Smith didn't get into the end zone either. Sunday Night Football is going to be a doozy. We've got Kansas City at Las Vegas. And again, I've said this about Kansas City so many times. Very narrow team. Very easy to, to sort of talk about. Mahomes, quarterback one. Clover, Edwards, Hilaire, fringes. But still, I think a running back one. Left Bell, I think, will be a running back three. Tariq Hill will be a wide receiver one. Sammy Watkins, I think, will be a wide receiver three at best. Travis Kelsey, tight end one. Pretty much the same every week. Uh, that's kind of what you can expect from the Chiefs. It's not going to change too much. Uh, Vegas, I think Derek Carr is potentially startable in this game, but uh, I think there are better options. Um, Josh Jacobs, I think, can get himself into the running back one conversation this week. Uh, he did well in the first game. I think he can also do well here. He had a, a great game last week, and they leaned upon him more. Um, but I'm not starting any of the wide receivers. Instead, it's Darren Waller, who I think could be the top tight end of the week. It would be one of either him or Kelsey. So 
Uh, I do like both tight ends in this matchup for sure. And finishing up, we've got the LA Rams, and they're going to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Buccaneers favored to win this by four, over under set 48.5 for Monday Night Football. Uh, this is not a game I'd be starting Jared Goff against this Buccaneers defense, um, nor am I starting the running backs here. If I'm absolutely desperate, I'll start Henderson, but I really think he could put up a, a running back three number, not a running back two number. So I'm a bit cautious here and don't think that Henderson is going to um, be one that really breaks out here. Now when he gets to the wide receivers, I've got Cup and Woods both as wide receiver twos this week. I think this is more a Cup game than a Woods game. And I think Reynolds could potentially be relevant here. Um, the Buccaneers don't mind giving up yardage to wide receivers. It's just whether they get in the end zone. So I think Reynolds is, is a startable flex play. Um, as for the tight end position, your guess is as good as mine. I think Higby's the guy that might triumph and he may even get in the end zone. So Higby would be my choice over effort. But I think there are other tight ends you might want to start over that. But take that information as you will. Buccaneers, pretty, pretty easy to kind of guess where we're going to go. But I'll talk through anyway. Brady, I think, is a quarterback one this week. I think uh, Ronald Jones and Fournette. I think Jones is the guy who would start. Given what he did last week, I think he's going to be given more of a leash. I think he's the guy. I think he's the potential could get into the RB1 conversation again. Uh, I think Fournette is more an RB3 this week, um, but with potential RB2 upside, especially as they're trying to establish a run and try and control the game. I think Godwin is a wide receiver two. I think Evans is a very low-end wide receiver two. I think Antonio Brown is barely startable. Um, I guess if you want to just see what he does in the flex, I mean, he definitely made some catches last week and there seems to be rapport with, with Brady there. I definitely think that he could be startable, but don't be surprised if he busts. He's not someone I'm banking, but I'm putting a house on to put on top 36 wide receiver numbers, but it wouldn't shock me. So if you're looking like you're down in your matchup, then Antonio Brown's probably not bad bet to potentially hit the ceiling. But also, he has a very, very low floor of maybe one or two catches. So just be prepared for that. He's very boom or bust this week. Um, Gronkowski, easily well-established now in the tight end one conversation. He's going to be in the top four or five tight ends in the league going forward. But if you're really desperate and you're searching for a tight end this week to score a touchdown, Cameron Brait is a really good outside bet. Um, probably free in most leagues, so you can take a, a punt on him. But that will do it for the matchups pod. There should be less weather extremes than there were last week. That should really help. Um, but the one game I would be keeping an eye on, well, the two I'd be keeping an eye on this in Baltimore and in Washington those places do tend to get quite wet with wind and and they could be areas that could be uh, a bit tricky and Cleveland as well actually so those three games so if you've got players in those games just keep an eye on the weather just keep an eye day to day to day scheduled to rain right now potentially how heavy might affect the outcome of the game if it's supposed to be anything like last week look at what happened with Cleveland last week that game turned into an absolute disaster same with the Baltimore Ravens uh, against the Patriots you know these are the sorts of games you need to keep an eye on but those are the three games so Tennessee Baltimore uh, Philadelphia at Cleveland and Cincy at Washington just keep an eye on the weather in those games that can be quite important but thank you as always for tuning in I uh, hope you found this pod useful and until next time good luck this week don't forget to get those W's and don't forget keep rushing
HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.